This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Nicole Malloy. Nicole is a spiritual wellness mentor, author, and founder of the Mindful Heart Project. Nicole experienced the communication realm during an out-of-body experience, and she reflects on how near-death experiences played an important role throughout her life. Nicole, thanks for joining us, and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I'm so excited to be here. I love what you do for everyone. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) So let's talk about your out-of-body experience. What happened? Okay. Um, So in... 2007, my grandmother, uh, my mom's mom passed away. And um, she was a very spiritual person. And I could go into a lot of strange things that uh, happened while she was passing away. But I'm going to focus on this part right now. Um, After she passed away, she visited everyone in a dream. And my husband, well, my husband, then boyfriend at the time, we were doing a cross-country road trip and we were in Savannah, Georgia at the time. And we were just seeing the sights. And I went into a, a church called St. John the Baptist Church. It's one of those beautiful old churches that you just have to see. So I, I went in and um, uh, knelt down in one of the pews and I said a prayer to God and I said, Dear God, could you please pass a message along to my grandmother for me? She's visited everyone else in a dream except me, and uh, I'd like to say goodbye to her. Because I, I once heard someone say that if you, have, if you didn't get to say goodbye to someone, God usually honors um, a visitation of some sort. So I was just looking for anything, and I was throwing it out there. And um, so... I sat there for a while and I left the church and went about my day with my husband. We didn't spend a whole lot of time in Savannah. Um, We didn't drink anything. We didn't do any drugs while we were there. Uh, When it was time to to leave, we got back in the truck. My husband was in the driver's seat and I um, sat in the passenger seat. And... um, this this is the this is where it starts getting kind of weird because I remember just sitting in the drive in the passenger seat and then all of a sudden I I fell awake and that's how I like to put it because I don't remember falling asleep and all of a sudden I was in this this dark realm I guess you would call it and there was nothing around me. Um, and there was a guide with me, a male guide, and he he put his hand on my back. He was here, and he put his hand on my back, and I what I intuitively knew that I was not supposed to look at this this guide. Um, he moved me along forward, uh, and it's so funny. Um, I didn't see that we had bodies, but I could hear 
footsteps, but everything was black around us, very dark. Um, and as we were walking, he's gently pushing me towards this, this area, this room, which had um, like Roman pillars and the Roman pillars were brown, uh, white with brown flecks in the marble. And he kind of guided me into the center of this big atrium. And this room, it was, it was very large. The atrium was very, very large. And there were pillars all around. There was like two pillars here. And if you went through the pillars, there was another gigantic room. And there were two pillars here and another gigantic room, two pillars, another room, two pillars, another room, two pillars, another room. So it was like rooms off of rooms. And um, I'm just standing there and I'm looking around and there's so many people in this room. And it sounded like, you know, when you're in a busy bar room and there's so many people or a restaurant and there's so many people talking that you can't hear any one conversation it just sounds like mum, 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 mum. like lots of people talking that's what this room sounded like and as I was looking around the room something struck me as odd and I saw all these people and they were having full like I could see them talking like with their bodies I could see bodies um, you know hand gestures um, and such it looked like they were having a conversation with someone but there was no one in front of them. It, they were just all talking, not to themselves. They were talking to someone, but I couldn't see who they were talking to. And then uh, I think the guide I was with, this male guide, knew that I was starting to take in a lot of the scenery. And he said, look for your grandmother. So I'm, I'm scanning this room back and forth. And I go this way with my eyes. And then I start coming back and I'm looking for my grandmother, my grandmother, my grandmother. And then boom, there she is. She's sitting on a bench with uh, like a velvet tufted top to it um, as if she was waiting for me, as if she was instructed to wait for me. <laughs> and I, I just ran right up to her and I was like, Grammy. And I just, I hugged her and I held her and we were crying and, I could smell her and we were speaking. And this is the part that really like threw me for a loop. Um, we were speaking, but our mouths weren't moving. It was, it was completely telepathic. And back then in 2007, I did not realize at the time that that's how many people who have gone to the other side said that um, communication is telepathic. I, I understand that now, but back then I thought, oh, maybe it's because she had a stroke and she couldn't speak. But now I know like, oh, you just don't need to do that on the other side. Um, and so she said, I'm, I said, I miss you so much. You have to be there when I wake up. And that's the, looking back, that's the part that makes me think um, that this was truly um, an out-of-body experience because if it if I was dreaming I probably wouldn't have known that I was dreaming because I have never in my life had a dream where I've known that I was dreaming but uh, this was like I knew that I was somewhere else 
And it wasn't a visitation where my grandmother came to me in a dream. I definitely came to her. So that being said, um, so my, my grandmother said, no, I'm so happy here. It's wonderful here. Don't worry about me. I love you so much. And again, she's telling me this telepathically. And, and so then the guide, um, my grandmother was a few words while she was on earth too. So my guide put his hand on my back again. And this, 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 he was very no nonsense. He wasn't mean or, um, uh, tough at all, but he was very firm. And he said, we have to get going, say your goodbyes. Um, this was just a gift. This was a special gift to you. And, and I just, I hugged her one more time. I told her I loved her so much and that I missed her so much. And then my guide told me, um, he's like, okay, we have to go now. Uh, now this is how, now listen to my instructions. And he said, now take a step backwards. And I took a step backwards and I was out of whatever realm I was just in. Um, and then all of a sudden, if I knew he was still with me, the guide, I never saw him, but it felt like uh, he kind of disappeared a little bit. And it was more just his voice than a tiny bit less than his, of his presence. And then he said, take another step back. And I, take it, I took another step back and I was in another layer of darkness. And I knew that the next time he told me to step backwards, that I would be back in the car. And I said, I am going to ball my eyes out once I get back into the truck. And I, he said, okay, now take another step backwards. And I went, and I was in the truck. I woke up instantly and I was bawling my eyes out. <laughs> it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Hmm. And it was, it was a beautiful experience. How did your boyfriend at the time respond when he saw you bawling your eyes out? We were newly dating at the time, so I I tried to hide it, and but we were pulling into a rest area, and I just jumped out of the car and ran into the the woman's room and um, washed my face, and I just told him I had a a, a dream. I, it was still sinking in mm-hmm. at the time for me, uh, but it was really really beautiful, and um, a lot of interesting things happened with um, my grandmother. My grandmother definitely had, um, she spent a lot of time praying. So maybe it was a little favor for her too, because we were really close. And um, my my grandmother introduced me to God at a very young age. Uh, Her name was Grammy, well, Claire, but Grammy. And um, this this kind of, uh, well, let me go back a minute. I've, I've always been really intuitive and empathic and a little bit psychic. And I I feel like I myself may have had a near-death experience when I was a very young child. Um, Because when I was five years old, around that height, I'm guessing, um, one one day I was driving in the car with my, my mother and she was borrowing someone's car. And when I was five years old, they didn't really care so much about car seats or something. So I was in the front passenger seat and I couldn't see over the dashboard was buckled in. But and this car had like some kind of um, exhaust leak or some fumes coming into the car. And I remember 
very clearly slumping over. And I, I said to myself, I think I'm dying. And it was just a thought in my head um, because I was getting so tired. But I still remember saying that to this day um, because it almost like reverberated in my mind. And it felt like there was like, like I was saying it to someone. And the next thing I remember is waking up on the front lawn, looking up at the sky. But I also, when I think of this experience, I also have two other vantage points. And that's looking down at myself laying on the grass from the right side and the left side. And from the right side, um, I felt a female presence with me. So I don't have an extravagant near-death experience story of my own to tell, but I do feel like um, I've had a lot of experiences in my life, um, psychic visions, experiences, intuitive knowings. And I've learned that a lot of people who have had a near-death experience kind of come back with that. So uh, I'd like to share some other things that I, um, I've experienced with you. Uh, so, and also there's another thing relating, related to near-death experiences that your audience might like to know. And it relates to my grandmother. Um, so like I said, my grandmother introduced me to God at a very young age. And she used to bring me to this place called La Salette. It's a, it's a, I believe it's Catholic. It's a Catholic like garden um, where you can go and be exposed to the word of God in a very lighthearted way. So she used to bring me there as a child and we used to spend a lot of time there. So one day we were leaving the gardens and there was um, a Catholic nun walking out of the building and my grandmother knew her. So they started talking and the nun said to my grandmother, since I last saw you, I died and I went to heaven. And that caught my attention. And I, I looked at her and I said, you died, you went to heaven and she said, she looked me right in the eyes and said, yes. And it was the most beautiful experience I've ever had. And I didn't want to come back, but I was told my work wasn't done and I had to return. And that just blew my mind, you know? Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that really changed my life and the way I look at the world. So Later that evening, that same evening, I went, we stayed at my grandmother's house. My mother tucked me into bed. I believe I was like 10 years old at the time. And she said goodnight and left the room. But I didn't want to leave the, uh, I didn't want to go to bed. So I walked to the window. And um, as I was looking out the window, a, a voice came to me and said, uh, you can do anything you want to do in this lifetime. Now, knowing what I know now from listening to so many near-death experiences, um, I kind of believe that it means that, you know, this earthly experience we're having um, is for learning and growing. And you can do anything you want as, 
in order to learn and grow. But at the time, I kind of took it as uh, meaning career-wise. So that really, really shaped me um, because I took it as you can do anything you want to do as a career in this lifetime. So I threw caution to the wind and I worked for ad agencies and the marketing department at a major Las Vegas resort and casino. I got my master's degree. Like I was never afraid to just throw things out and see what stuck. And I, um, I tried to start business after business, always doing what I thought I should be doing. And um, until one day uh, I was, the last business I ran was a, um, a charitable coffee company. And so I spent a lot of time in solitude and working independently. And um, as I was doing that, it, it lasted four years. So as I was doing that one day, I got this message from God and it was one of the many uh, it, insights that I've heard throughout my life or guiding voices, but this was big. This was, this was definitely God. And he said, um, my children are, are being consumed by addiction and they're not shining their light, sharing their light with the world. And I need them back in the game. And it was just so out of the blue and it, it made me basically drop everything I was doing. It was so powerful that I, I stopped working on what I was working on and I switched gears and I started a company called the mindful heart project. And I'm now working to help people in recovery to um, grow to, de to develop a deeper relationship with God without organized religion, because I feel like a lot of people are opposed to organized re religion these days. And therefore they feel like they can't have a relationship with God. And I feel like God can heal absolutely anything. So that's, that's how um, this near death experience inspired me. And not only that, I use a lot of the information I've learned from listening to people's near-death experiences to give people another point of view on things besides like religious doctrine. And as you know, from all your guests, um, you know, sometimes people do see Jesus. So I do let them know like, Hey, Jesus is real too. Um, I just help people to keep an open mind and break free from the narrow minded way of thinking. Um, I feel like God is much bigger than we can even imagine. I don't think our human brains can process that. Um, and so I feel like when that guide told me you can do anything you want to do in this lifetime, it came full circle from that morning talking to that nun about her near-death experience. For me, trying to do everything I was supposed to do and realizing that what there's a huge difference between what you're supposed to do and what you're meant to do. Uh, so that, and now I'm teaching people, um, I'm letting near death experiences inspire me and um, inspire other people too. So, and the, the fact that I believe I had one as a young child, it kind of like all just comes together. And uh, so I really have a lot of, um, respect for people who are brave enough to share their story 
and step out of their comfort zone because it, it's the, as as we all know, the ripple effect goes on and on and on. And so sharing your story is really important. So um, I have other insights that my guides have given me over the years too. It's been really wonderful. So the guy that met up with you when you're with your grandmother, do you think he is your guardian angel? Um, he's either my guardian angel or my or his, or my spirit guide, um, because I actually had another vision with him in it, Mm. um, or dream, I should say. And I could tell you about that if you want to hear it. Um, sure. So what year was this? This was probably about 2017. I, it was just a regular night. I was sleeping and, um, I had this dream all of a sudden, I was behind, so I was in this valley, me and my guide, this this male presence again, was with me. Um, again, I couldn't see his face. You know, in the out-of-body experience, he, uh, I knew not to look at him, but in this dream, uh, for one reason or another, his face was shielded. And I could see a silhouette of a body, but it was like it didn't matter. It was just our energies talking. But anyways, we were, if you can picture a a valley with um, like a gully that goes down, there was this huge boulder in the gully and um, he, we were him, me and my guide, we were hiding behind this huge boulder and up the hill at a distance, everything was on fire like it was smoldering. It was red. And um, I could see the silhouettes of men at the top. And they were um, beating each other up, like violently. And I couldn't believe the, uh, the anger and the violence that was um, a, that all these silhouettes were um, showing towards each other. And the, the guide, you know, after he told me to look, I turned to him and said, it's like he wanted my opinion of the situation. And I turned to him and I said, this is not how it's supposed to be. And he looked at me like he approved of my, my opinion of the, uh, my consensus of the situation. And then the dream was over. Um, And I didn't know what that meant. So I kind of just let it go, but it never faded. And then this is also kind of interesting. So two years later, I'm sleeping and I wake up to the word Thessalonians in my head, loud and clear. It was like, it was a word that woke me up. And in 2019, I did not read the Bible. Um, I was familiar with it because of my grandmother. When I was a child, she exposed me to all this and it rang a very vague bell, but I had to, I wrote it down on my night on a piece of paper on my nightstand. And I looked it up in the morning on the computer. I didn't know what it was, but it's a book in the Bible that relates to end times. Now these two dreams that I'm telling you about are two years apart from each other. Um, But 
what's really interesting now is that people are having lots of rapture dreams right now. And I've been noticing that and listening to them on YouTube. Um, and I suggest that your, your viewers go and check it out too. But if they do, I would keep like a really open mind and look for the authentic looking ones, not the ones with a million followers looking like they're using it for their own personal gain. You can tell the difference between authentic people and not, but, um, so in case anyone doesn't know, the rapture is this Christian theory of when, not theory, promise, when Jesus will come back and rescue his believers, um, those people who have a personal relationship with him out of the earth before things get really, really bad. And what I'm noticing is in some of these rapture dreams, people are saying, talking about exactly there they saw what I saw. And I just think that's a little bizarre. So I wanted to throw that out there. Um, I know not everyone has the same beliefs, but I also believe that if we if we um, keep an open mind about things, we might discover some interesting commonalities. Um, but I don't want to get all like doomsday. So like uh, my guides have told me some other funny things too, or some other interesting things in my life uh, that are, I'd like to share with you if you're interested. Did you find out whether the rapture is coming soon or not? Well, we don't know, right? There, in the Christian world, there's people who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture and the tribulation is a period of seven years where it's going to be like pure hell on earth. Um, um, some people believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Some people believe in a mid-tribulation rapture, meaning like uh, Jesus will come back in the middle or uh, post, or Jesus will come back at, at the post end of the tribulation. But um, I think I'm a, I'm a pre-tribulation rapture person because I like the idea of us getting like sucked out of here. And one thing that's interesting is, you know, with with all the talk about aliens going on on the news right now, a lot of people are speculating that when, uh, when this tribulation does happen, it's going to be blamed, blamed on an alien abduction. Hmm. So, cause there's a lot of people that don't know about the rapture and I didn't even know about it until uh, very recently, only during COVID did I get into the Bible and stuff. And I, there's a lot of um, like the Catholic I grew up Catholic and they didn't teach about the rapture. They don't believe in it, um, which I was shocked to hear about. I was like, oh, well, that's why I didn't know about it. But a lot of other Christian faiths do. But like I said, there's people who believe that Jesus could be coming um, very soon. That's pre-tribulation. Mid-trib is like, we'll have some troubles um, and then we'll get out. And then, or it comes at the end. Um I kind of believe we're going to have some troubles because another vision that I had is, um, or this knowing that I had was um, as a young girl around eighth grade, we had show and tell, right? So I brought in my, this magazine, it was a Greenpeace magazine and I brought it in to just talk to my classmates about saving the earth and all this stuff. And as I'm standing in front of the classroom, I, I casually mentioned to everyone that, um, there will be a there will come a time in our lifetime when we have to grow our own food, 
And I thought this was just something everyone knew. And I looked at my teacher and she looked like, oh, really? So I don't know. I can kind of see some trends heading that way. Um, if you're paying attention, you know, just look around the grocery store. <laughs> well, also, um, you know, just the state of the world that we're in right now. I mean, I could assume that somebody or a lot of people would take the viewpoint that maybe we're in pre-tribulation or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people are like, he's coming any minute. And if, if you, there's some uh, people who get really into the Bible and they say that everything's based on what Israel, what's going on in Israel and all that stuff's lining up with scripture too. So people are like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I, I don't want to go into it because there's some really great YouTube pages uh, run by people who get really, really into it. Mm. And it's super interesting though. But I do personally think that we're going to go through a period of hardship, but I don't believe it's because God's punishing us. I believe it's because he, um, a lot of people are stubborn and stuck in their ways and they're not spiritual. Um, they think they can do it all on, all on their own. And God wants to have a deep personal relationship with uh, everyone and he doesn't want anyone to perish. And I know some people say like, there's no such thing as hell or anything like this, but um, there was a near death experience that I watched a long time ago. And you may have interviewed her before. Mm. I, I don't know um, because the video is very like granular. It looks like it might've been filmed in the early nineties. Her name is um, Erica McKenzie. Does that ring a bell? Mm. Okay, like she has this beautiful near-death experience, but at the end she talks about wearing God's glasses and God shows her all this fire and she said, God, look, no, 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 don't be upset. Don't cry because I guess he was crying and he was very upset. Don't cry. Look, they're coming up unscathed. And she used the word unscathed. And um, then he said, put the glasses back on again. Mm -hmm. And... Um, He's he um, sh she saw some people being left behind. So that's the theory of the rapture is that people who never develop their spirituality and their relationship with God um, might not make it in the end days because there's supposed to be this whole new earth where God reigns with us for a thousand years in perfect harmony. And we have um, we gain a higher level of consciousness and greater psychic powers and all this stuff. It's really interesting. And I know I'm going off on a rant, but it's pretty cool. If you're into digging around on YouTube. I think it's fascinating how you mentioned the place being um, a Roman or Greek alike when you went there. I've had other guests mention that as well. And when you saw all the other people talking to nobody, do you think that they were possibly going through a life review or do you have any sense of what they, what they were talking about, even though it was just ambient noise of a thousand voices? Um, I thought that they might be talking to um, psychics uh, or people who can communicate with them um, or maybe other people had the same situ situation as me where they were brought in. I don't know. Um, but something interesting is, um, have you ever heard of the psychic um, Teresa Caputo? She's mm -hmm. the Long Island medium. No. Oh, she had a TV show. Um, 
I bought one of her books and I was reading it like five years after this experience. And somewhere in the middle of the book, she talks about the room that she communicates to spirit in. And she mentions a room that looks just like this. And I was blown away. And it was confirmation to me that I was in this communication realm Mm. that she experiences. So that's why I think they were talking to people that can somehow communicate with them. Why do you think your guy didn't want you to look at him? I don't know. Um, I've heard some people say like they're not allowed to see the face of God. I'm not saying this person was God. Um, didn't feel like God. Um, but maybe it just would have brought me too close to the other side or something like that. When you were in that Greek Roman place, did you have any emotional feelings? Like, did you feel happy or joyous or were you in a place of overwhelming love or you were just kind of not really feeling anything? Um, I felt it wasn't overwhelming love, unfortunately, like, like the uh, experience experiencers get to feel, but, um, it felt very much like the, my guide was given a mission and I was supposed to get in, do the thing and get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how it felt. Okay. But it felt like we were on a, a, a speedy timeline. Right. You got a quick tour and that's it. Yeah. But it was really interesting because um, it did kind of feel like space. Mm-hmm. Like it, the blackness extended out forever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the room just kind of appeared as we were walking. When you were with your grandmother, did you happen to have any conversation with her that resolved things that weren't resolved before she passed? No. Nothing like that, but something kind of interesting happened um, a few years after where I had, I feel like I had another um, connection with her after after her death. Um, my husband and I, we were looking for houses and I felt really bloated <laughs> that day and we were looking for houses and I'm walking around and I felt like just something going on down there. Um, in the uterus area and um, all of a sudden I'm looking around this house and I smell my grandmother's perfume and I was like that's so strange and then um, then we went to the next house at a completely new location and I smelt her perfume again and later that night I found out I was pregnant oh wow yeah so it's kind of interesting it was almost like she was saying I know (laughs) I know you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, maybe she was trying to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let me, I'm going to tell you this story too, because it's just so interesting. Um, when my grandmother was dying, we brought her home on hospice. And it was just me, my sister, my aunt, and my mom. Those were her girls. And that was the, the extent of the family. We were all sitting around her hospital bed. And um, all of a sudden... Uh, my sister's cell phone rang and I was sitting next to my sister and I bent over and it said Grammy calling someone from the house was calling us, but everyone was in this room and no one could have been calling my sister's phone. Mm -hmm. And I said, answer it. And my sister answered it. And she said, hello. And there was a woman crying on the other end saying, I'm so sorry. I couldn't be there. And we're like, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. And we hung up. And then I got to thinking, 
Um, the night before we had a birthday party for me, my sister and my aunt who all have birthdays like the same week. And we had a party in the kitchen and I kind of feel like, I wonder, was that my grandmother saying she was sorry that she couldn't make it to the party the night before? Cause she was, you know, in the other room. It, it was weird. It said Grammy calling mm-hmm. on my sis- sister's phone. And, um, when, um, when my grandmother died, she had a clock next to her um, bed and it stopped like two minutes after she died. And it's, it's just been wild. (laughs) Hmm. Do you think that you changed religiously after you had that spiritual experience? I do because it, it was the, it was something I got to experience for myself. Usually I'm pretty, um, I get so obsessed with hearing people's near death experience stories that this was kind of like my taste of the other side. And, um, it gave me an opportunity to understand it. And I, I know my stories are kind of like all over the course of my life, but like, I feel like I said, the guide that was with me in in that experience was with me in this experience. So I, I just know that there's so much more happening and oh, also when my grandmother was um, dying, she like I said, she had a stroke and she couldn't talk and she was very, very out of it. But one day she, she just spoke out loud, sorry, I won't do that again. And I kind of feel like she was having a life review, kind of like half in this world, half in the other world. So that was interesting too. Does the experience of being with her fade like a dream or is it still as real today as it was when it happened? Oh, yeah. Totally crisp. Haven't forgotten a detail. Hmm. That's another thing. It was in 2007, so I think if it was a dream, it would have faded. Is it like something that you can't escape? Like you just constantly keep thinking about it and reliving it or not? No, I can I can put it on the back burner, but it's always very close, hmm. if that makes sense. Also, I think I, uh, I'd like to just go back a little bit to the moment that the time where God said, like, my children are suffering from addiction mm-hmm. or um, being consumed by addiction, mm-hmm. and they're not sharing their light, and they need to get back in the game. So that made me rework everything in my life, and um, I'm totally focused on helping people uh, in, with uh, spirituality and recovery now. And I have, um, I created a course for that called Sacred Sobriety. All right. What is that about? It's an online um, self-paced course about spirituality. We cover, um, you know, who God really is and um, who we really are as souls and how to evolve to your higher self and, um, how to pray and how to use your, how to think in terms of energy uh, instead of letting your mind and your thoughts uh, sabotage you. So I help people to awaken their heart and master their mind so that their um, thoughts don't continually sabotage their best efforts at sobriety or any other goal that they might have. Have you personally had experience with trying to become sober and that's what got you into this? Well, it runs in my family and I've been very much affected by it, 
But what really drove me was this overwhelming sense, this message from God that was just like undeniable. The same way um, someone in a church setting would want to help people. It's kind of, I want to do it because I know that people, there's a lot of people out there that have pushed God away because they don't want anything to do with the church. So I'm tying all these near-death experiences I've had and these insights I've had and this um, intuitive um, conversations or this knowing that I have into one nice, neat package. And it it's um, it's this course. In my intro of you, I told everybody that you are an author. What mm-hmm. is the title of your book? Okay, so right after I got that message from God, I was like, full of fire like my body and my brain was on like fire for doing this so i wrote a book (laughs) it's called stop sabotaging your sobriety and create a life you love Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who um experience addiction they talk about how hard uh, how tough the stigma is of addiction and I have to tell you, it doesn't stop with the people who are experiencing addiction because I even get judged for trying to help people with addiction. A lot of people don't understand my journey because um, because I myself have never struggled with addiction, even though um, it's very much affected my life. And I'm not going to get into how because it's personal. But um, it just goes to show that God has a plan for each and every one of us, and it doesn't need to make sense to anyone else because when you're called to do something, you just know, and um, you just have to listen to that voice and not be afraid of what anyone else is going to say because the same way God told me that uh, his children aren't shining their light and sharing their, you know, and sharing their gifts with the world, um, if I didn't do it, I would be doing a disservice too to God. So I just, I hope anyone out there who's listening, if if you want to do something, if you're afraid to do it be, because you think you might be judged, just um, brush that aside and just do what you feel like you're being called to do because there's a huge difference between what you think you're supposed to be doing and what you're meant to be doing. Do you think that that is your life purpose? Yes. Helping people with sobriety? Um, helping people to realize their divine spiritual nature and to help them realize that there's so much more to this world that we're living in. It's not just, here's the table, there's the window. It's, um, it's so much bigger and greater with God in it. And it's my purpose to introduce people to God and how powerful they really are and how, um, Life isn't happening to them. It's happening for them. They just have to grow into their um, their higher self and evolve their consciousness and their awareness and their vibration. And I, through this course, uh, this is the name of the course, Sacred Sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can go to my website and get more information about that. But I work with people by, um, it's an online course. It's self-paced. I have a... a variety of lessons that they can work at but and also once a week i meet with people on like zoom 
or some other tool um, in a group setting so we can talk about spiritual stuff. People can share their unique experiences with me and I can try to help them look at things a little bit differently based on everything that I know uh, or come to know or any intuitive insights that I receive or anything I've learned from other people's near-death experiences because I feel like God wouldn't have given all these people near-death experiences unless they were meant to be shared and enlighten people and bring people to this new level of consciousness that we're all moving towards, whether that be through the hardships that might be coming on, you know, in the future or um, by sharing near-death experiences and finally having them make it out into the public instead of just a nun telling me when I was five years old about her little experience. I mean, people used to be so afraid to talk about that kind of stuff, but I feel like we're reaching this like turning point where people are more aware than ever before. And I just feel like God knows that people are stuck in addiction and it's like they're um, it's it's like self-sabotaging thoughts and beliefs that need to be rewritten. And I want to help people do that. Are you trying to help people realize that it's okay to have a relationship with God and it's not necessary to be religious? Yes. Yes. Um, Much of my, um, my lessons, I just refer to God as God or the creator or the higher power, Mm -hmm. but I, I don't want to like leave Jesus out of things because people have definitely seen and experienced Jesus on the other side through near death experiences, which is so exciting. Um, and I feel like Jesus is like, why should we not talk about Jesus? He's the ultimate hippie. I mean, Birkenstocks and all, right? I mean, he's just, he taught peace. He he taught love, forgiveness, patience, kindness. I mean, there's so much of value that we can learn from Jesus that I don't want to leave him out. So I kind of like tread lightly in the beginning. And then I kind of give people the option to choose for themselves what they believe. And I encourage people to just expand upon what they learn with me and never stop questioning, never stop learning, never stop growing spiritually because the spiritual side of ourselves is what's real. And um, I feel like this earthly journey is just um, kind of something we signed up for to learn from. Mm-hmm. All right. And grow from. Well, you've got the book, you've got the class. What else are you working on that you want us to know about? That's pretty much all I'm working on right now. I'm launching the course. I'm openly enrolling students right now. Um, Like I said, it's called Sacred Sobriety. If you go to my website, I believe there's a page that says um, how to work with Nicole. And there's a link to there where people can sign up to watch one of my, uh, to watch a webinar, to learn a lot more about the course before they sign up. And, you know, I, like I, I have a, two very young kids. So um, they're, they take up a lot of my, my time. <laughs> what is the name of your website? Oh, Nicole Malloy.com. N I C O L E M O L L O Y.com. Nicole Malloy.com. Are you a public person? So if people want to reach out and ask you questions, are you up for that? And if so, how do they reach out to you? Um, I used to be very much on Facebook and Instagram, but I kind of backed off of that about a year ago. So no, I'm not on Facebook or um, Instagram. If you're on LinkedIn, you can find me there. Um, Otherwise, you can go to my contact page and send me a message. I'm very much open to emailing that way. All right. Well, before we finish up here, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? I never want people to forget how magical this earthly experience really is. 
and how like even if you're suffering if, from the loss of a loved one or if you're full of fear or if you feel like your world around you is collapsing and nothing's working out right i just want you to remember that you're never alone we all have guides we all have um god has a knows a plan for our, for our lives that we don't understand um but we chose it before we were born and this earthly experience is for learning and growing and becoming a better version of ourselves and it's it helps to remember that when things are overwhelming that this is just a show <laughs> this is just a a grand play that we're all in well, Nicole, thank you for that message. And thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you. And I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you for having me on the show to tell my my experiences. And thank you. Because without okay. guests like you, there would be no show. Awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, you take care and have a great weekend. Okay, you too. Mm-hmm. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.